I just say to myself, start before you're ready because it's always gonna take longer than you think. Welcome to Working Women Mentor, a podcast that empowers everyday women like you, like me, to share and learn from life's mentor moments. I am your host, Rainy Alpers, and in each episode, you will meet inspiring women that understand the power of recognizing mentor moments and how those moments can change it all. These fabulous women are here and ready to share it all with you. So let's dive in. Hey, everybody. On today's episode of Working Women Mentor, we get to meet Shannon Lore. She's the founder and CEO of Factory 45. Shannon is bringing all things fashion and sustainable fashion to our conversation today. We're talking about what women are doing in the workplace of fashion and the mentor moments that can support you in whatever journey you are along the way. I have to say it really opened my eyes to what I'm purchasing, what I'm wearing, what these brands are actually doing to bring this to the market because it's not easy. It also is a wonderful reminder to support local, buy from the people around you. And I think you're going to really enjoy the mentorship she shares with us. She's even started her own company, her own business school to help other entrepreneurs create the same thing. She co-founded a brand back in 2010, and she caught the attention of Forbes, of New York Times, and me as well, because it was a brand focused on minimalist female travel wear. How can you get any better than packing as little as possible? So if you're traveling, if you're buying clothing, if you're thinking about your impact to the world and our environment, and if you want some wonderful mentor moments, listen in today and let's meet Shannon Lohr. Shannon, hi. I'm so excited that you are here with us today on Working Women Mentor. Welcome, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Rainey. Everyone, you have to meet Shannon Moore, and I'm going to give you the floor to talk a little bit more about you and your story and introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you. So my name's Shannon Lore. I run a company called Factory 45. It's a online business school that takes sustainable fashion brands from idea to launch. So since 2014, I've worked with over 500 entrepreneurs in the fashion education space to help them go from idea stage to raising money to launch their fashion brands. That is so exciting, especially in today's economy and in today's interest in our world that we live in and our earth and what we can do from our own standpoint. So I am just intrigued about how many fashion brands are now moving their mission and their strategy of their company around the sustainability topic. I know you give your entrepreneurs a lot of advice through your program, but what is mentorship like in general in the fashion space? Are women helping women right now? What does that look like from your point of view? Oh, that's a good question. I'm sure this will not come as a surprise that the fashion industry is notoriously competitive, secretive, closed <laughs> off, which was really one of the catalysts in wanting to start Factory 45. One of the things that we say in our marketing is we're about collaboration over competition. It's a notoriously secretive industry and we want to open doors, whether that is 
referring factory partners to each other or suppliers. We're seeing other online fashion communities started by people who maybe aren't in or never were in the traditional fashion industry. And so they're just coming at the space with a more collaborative lens than competitive. But yeah, I think it varies depending on who you talk to. (laughs) You have a lot of experience in this field. And I'd love to know just a little bit about what started the whole movement of sustainability and that ethically made piece, because now we see it everywhere, Shannon. Yeah, it's funny. When I was first starting out in 2010, it was almost an oxymoron to use the word sustainable and fashion together. No one really knew what it was. It was not something that was in the mainstream. And so when I think about my journey into the sustainable fashion space, I was a fast fashion bargain bin junkie. Like, <laughs> like I, love I always say, if anyone can change their wardrobe, you can do it because if I can do it, you can do it. But I started in college. I would, after classes would get out, I would go to a Forever 21. I would buy a dress for $10. I'd wear it that night. And then I'd throw it into the back of my closet and never wear it again. And that's the fast fashion model is just disposable, cheap. There's, you know, H&M, Zara, all of the fast fashion brands. That is the model to make it disposable, make you feel out of trend after one week. There are now 52 seasons a year, you know, so we're in this very, very fast moving machine. But what happened was I started to explore the idea of starting my own brand. And as I researched what that would take and what would be involved, I realized, oh my gosh, fashion is a huge problem. It's a huge contributor of climate change and pollution. There are human rights issues, all the things. And so I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it with people and planet in mind from the beginning. If you started out thinking about the world and about the issues that you just listed, Most people know that from a surface level, but you seem to really take what your impact would be and decide, hey, this is where I'm going to now make a difference. So much a part of you that you are now going to start a company. Yeah, it's funny. I think that it's like one of those things where you start to go down the rabbit hole and you can't unsee or unhear what you find out. We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I'm of the millennial generation and we're just inherent do-gooders, I think. This like generational feeling of wanting to make the world a better place. And so that's really where it came from was both the research, but then just personality wise, I'm always like, how can we improve things? How can we make the world better in a social impact sense? I imagine. Have you personally had a mentor in this space because you started in it, it it seems, at a young age and with a bright idea. And so a lot of times we need support around this. I had a lot of peer-to-peer support, especially back when we were starting our brand. And then what happened was we were introduced at the time, and not to get into the nitty-gritty details, but we could not meet the minimum fabric order. So in the fashion industry, typically you have to purchase like thousands and thousands of yards of fabric. So we were introduced to this other startup who was farther along than us, but took us under their wing and said, okay, you can piggyback onto our fabric order 
only order, let's say like 700 yards instead of 2000 yards. And that was such a hopeful stepping stone for us to just be able to go into production. And now I'm the mentor, but I have a team of alumni mentors who I work with now and they're mentoring people in the Factory 45 program. Of course, they're in some ways mentoring each other and mentoring me. We're all learning. It sounds like you're learning together. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm sure it's evolving still, right? There's probably things that they're showing you now in the constant evolution, isn't it? I'm a frequent user of Rent the Runway. I just, yeah. mm-hmm. it's so easy for me on a monthly with a super complex schedule just to order stuff, deliver it, throw it on my front door. They come and get it. They replace it with something. I wear that. I don't even think about it. And what I have noticed over the last six, eight months, or maybe even a year, it could be longer, is that their marketing messages are about the carbon footprints. And because we're all wearing and recycling and using these clothes, what the benefit to our world is because of that. I never thought about it from that standpoint. But to your point, it's like you buy something, you stick it in your closet, you don't really wear it. But what if we keep wearing these same pieces over and over and over again, and we're not buying or consuming or putting a stress on any supply chain or any anything of that nature? I think also thinking about the secondhand market as well, that sort of goes in that same thought process. I always say there's no such thing as perfectly sustainable. Anytime you're making something new, it has an impact. So how can you reduce that impact in a way that makes sense for the product? And whether that is a model like Rent the Runway, they run into a little bit of a problem because of the dry cleaning side of things. And the delivery. And the delivery, the shipping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But again, there's no such thing as perfectly sustainable. So you have to pick your battles when it comes to fashion. I like that because you're giving your fashionistas, your entrepreneurs, you're giving them a threshold and saying, hey, this is where we're starting. Now, how can you do incrementally better than this? And I like that because it gives a lot of runway for us as even a consumer. Hearing that makes me feel even a little bit better. So we talk a little bit about sustainability, but the other side of this is supply chain. And I know that we're looking at the transparency of supply chain when you're trying to build these companies or help people. We have never heard of supply chain, I feel like, from an economic standpoint until the pandemic hit. We can't get chips in our cars and everything's taking a really long time to receive. And now vehicle costs are increasing. My 10-year-old knows the word supply chain. (laughs) So how is it applied to the fashion industry and what does that look like for you? So your supply chain can be anything and everything that makes up the physical product. So whether that's the fabric, the materials, the notions, things like buttons, zippers, the manufacturing, cut and sew of the garment, the grading, there's so many different steps to the supply chain, packaging, shipping, all of it. And so that's why we start with sourcing because it is the part of the supply chain that can take the longest, finding your perfect fabric, finding the materials, all the little things that need to go into the creation of your product. And then we go into the product development piece, manufacturing piece of finding your factory. When I think about the supply chain, it does bring me back to when I was starting my brand back in 2011, we created a supply chain within a 50 mile radius in the United States. 
And that was unheard of at the time. You think about it now, things are shipped from China to New York to LA, all back and forth. But at the time, that was such a novel idea. And when you are a fledgling fashion startup and you have never done this before, this is another thing I emphasize to my entrepreneurs, that is going to make your life so much easier if you can keep things as local as possible. And I guess that has never been proven more than over the most recent time period, right? Do you think that has brought this supply chain by local and by USA feel stronger than ever this year, or at least over the past few years? Oh, absolutely. I think especially in 2020 and 2021, there was such a movement among consumers and just an education and a realization how important it is to support small businesses. And a lot of small businesses have more local supply chains than, let's say, obviously the big giant corporations. So I think it all goes hand in hand. And I have also seen talk about a recession and that whole conversation and this question of, is a recession going to kill the sustainable fashion movement? And it did in 2008, the last major recession put a halt on the sustainable fashion movement. And they're saying this time, it won't do that because consumers are more aware in buying less, buying better, investing in pieces that will last longer and not spending their disposable income on cheap fast fashion or cheaper goods that will just fall apart. Shannon, it sounds as if this is one more reason for us to support local and support a tighter supply chain that's close to home. That means we as consumers are more educated than we were in 2008. It also means we have entrepreneurs that are evolving and thinking beyond the norm and thinking about authentic partnerships. It really will help us get through this economic time that we're in, whether we're in team recession or team whatever. And so that brings me to think about your brand that you established and the sustainability and some of it because I mentioned the rent the runway piece because I do have decision fatigue when I'm getting dressed in the morning. I mean, oh my goodness, if I have to stand in my closet and decide what is flattering, what hits all these boxes for the moment I'm in that day, it's a long morning, Shannon. How did your brand help women get rid of that and make it a little bit easier for us? So we designed one piece called the Versalette that could be worn over 30 different ways. It was actually designed as a garment that you could take traveling. So at the time, my co-founder and I, we had just spent two years backpacking, traveling all over the world after we graduated college. And we essentially designed a piece that we would have wanted to be able to throw in our backpacks and just wear, make it easy to get dressed wherever we were in the world. But now I think that was like a novel item back then. Now I've seen it translate a little bit more practically into the capsule wardrobe, yes. which is something that has taken the fashion industry by storm. Five pieces that can be mixed and matched to make up 30 days worth of outfits or whatever it is. I love seeing that evolution. As soon as you said a piece that you can wear all these different ways, travel. I love to travel. It's the first thing that popped in my mind. I remember I've traveled with a black dress, this one black dress forever. Oh, I only yeah. got rid of it because all my pictures look the same. <laughs> but I like the idea of those few pieces that you can mix and match. Uh, NM Lafleur is a brand that comes to mind. I bought them, started buying them years ago because I enjoyed even the washable dresses. I didn't have to take time to go to the dry cleaner and they still looked 
great. They were still professional. I appreciated that about the versatility and the ease and the low cost, quite frankly. Yeah, I always am saying to my entrepreneurs, think about the problem you can solve for your customer. The fashion industry is noisy. It's competitive. So how can you identify your unique selling position so that you're solving a problem for whether that is like a machine washable dress or a black dress that could be worn a few different ways and accessorized, whatever it is, thinking in that way, those are the products that I'm most excited about. What do you think would be your mentor moment that you want to share with our guests today? Fashion or not fashion? Is there something that has really changed your trajectory? The best advice that I was ever given was to start before I'm ready. Start before you're ready. And that has been like a sticky note in my brain (laughs) over the course of the past decade. Like anytime I come up with a new idea or should I try to scale in this way or should I hire in this way, when I have that inkling of I'm not feeling ready to do that, I just say to myself, start before you're ready because it's always going to take longer than you think it's going to. It's going to take longer to get a new product out there. I think that we tend to push things off and to procrastinate. That's human nature. And I try to look at that as, okay, procrastination is really just fear, right? It's, It's this feeling of resistance. Okay, why am I feeling resistant to it? Are those points valid? And how can I push through or wait? Sometimes the answer is to wait, but most of the time, the answer is to start before you're ready. That's great advice. As you're saying that, I'm even thinking about that node to confidence. It's the next step. I may not have this 100% built out in my mind, but if I keep putting it off and keep putting it off, it's never going to happen. It just comes down to action sometimes. I can just see the sticky note in my mind right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that. That is, I love that moment. And you're using these types of moments, mentorship, pieces of advice in your program and when you're working with people wanting to start in the fashion industry. Would you give us some high-level stages from someone who comes to you and says, hey, I've got an idea for a product and now what do I do? What are those stages in the development for someone out there who may be thinking of their own idea or maybe ready to pull the trigger? The process is really broken up very methodically in the program so that Each step is built off of the step before it. So we start with sourcing. You come to me, you have an idea. We don't put a 40-page business plan together. We put a one-page business plan together knowing that it can and should change. We start to source your fabric materials. We then go into branding and audience building. That is one of the most important things. You can have the most beautiful product in the world. If you don't have a marketing engine or an audience to see it, then it doesn't really matter, right? It's a hobby instead of a business. You got to sell it. Yes. You got to sell it. And so we start again, audience building takes time. So we start early with that. Then we go into module three, which is product development. So I refer pattern makers, sample makers, manufacturers to actually get your physical sample and pattern made. We get into packaging and budgeting, product cost analysis, all that. Then we go into e-commerce marketing. So again, like back to like, how are you going to sell this? Where are you going to sell it? All the things that go into selling online, selling to boutiques, whatever it is that your path is. And then the final piece of the program is raising money. And I'm not talking about raising money from a venture capital standpoint. I teach people how to pre-sell. So you're essentially pre-selling your product before you create 
any inventory. And that ensures several things. One, you're not risking your own savings or money. Your mm-hmm. customers are opening their wallets first. So you have that money in the bank to go into production. Then you're testing the market before you create any inventory, which means that you're not going to have a bunch of product sitting in your basement or in a warehouse that you can't sell. And then also from a sustainability standpoint, it ensures that you're not creating waste, right? You're not creating a 200-piece production run. And again, it's just going to end up in in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Or at TJ Maxx or something. Right. Exactly. Another... Yeah, I love the pre-sale idea from a cash flow from every yep. perspective. It's just such a great test market. And so those stages are interesting because if I had an idea, I love robes, for example. I could live in a robe, Shannon. Though if I said, hey, I would love to have a line of robes in different ways. Can I come to you and you can consult with me on each step of the way and truly how to get it to market? Oh, yeah. We've had companies come through who have launched robes. It's really, like I said, it's idea stage. You can have the sketch in front of you or you can just have it in your brain. But we walk you through all the steps to get it into being a physical product that you can sell. And are you only working with folks who are interested in a sustainable clothing line? We definitely emphasize the sustainability piece. But if you come to us and say, oh, I don't know what that means or what that looks like, you don't have to have it all figured out. We also guide you, okay, this is what it means to be a sustainable fabric. This is how you can incorporate other elements of sustainability. If someone came to us and they were like, I just want to create a line of polyester t-shirts, probably not the best fit. You have to have an open mind and interest in doing it in a way that it has less environmental impact. This makes me think of Rothy's. It's my favorite black travel flat. You can buy them in every color, but Rothy's actually uses recycled plastic bottles to create a unique thread and make the shoes themselves. They're wonderful. I'm washable. They're stylish. And the thing is, I didn't buy them because they were from recycled bottles. I bought them because I thought they'd be a great fit on my foot. But I love that that is their initiative. I can then contribute to the same initiative by purchasing and supporting this brand. And they certainly found their unique viewpoint, sustainable and practical. And that's exactly right. You cannot use sustainability as a primary marketing tactic, right? Your product has to sell itself first, whether that's like the design, the fit, the durability, whatever it is, the branding, the story. So knowing that you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, not because you want to use it as a marketing strategy. That makes sense. Well, from a consumer standpoint, then how do we as consumers look at brands? Are there certain tips that you could give us on how to spot some sustainability if that truly was the direction we wanted to buy in? The first thing is if you're on a brand's website and you're looking at a product, go to the specifications or fabric, like the details on the product page. And it's going to say there what the fabric and materials are that are used for the product. If you see natural fibers like organic cotton, linen, hemp, you're going in the direction of a more sustainable fabric. If you see things like nylon, conventional polyester, spandex, then we're getting into petroleum-based fabrics that are made of oil and take 200 years to decompose in a landfill. So that's just like a quick place to start. But then there's also the ethics side of it, ethical manufacturing and separate element to making sure that the product is made by people being paid a fair and living wage. And most of the time, 
a brand will have a transparency page or an about page that talks about their manufacturing if that's something that's important to them. If there's no information on the supply chain or the manufacturing or the factory, you can email the brand and ask. But most of the time, the ones that are really proud of how their products are made are going to have that on their website and talk about it and use it as part of the marketing because consumers are caring more and they want to know. Yeah, that's that transparency piece, right? So I feel like they want to know even if it's not 100% sustainable, just wanting to know anything they can about what they're using. And that's where they've become just so much more informed to our point earlier. That's a great shout out to companies who are not 100%. It's like, hey, it's okay. Just tell us what we're getting into. Because there really is no such thing as 100% for the most part. And even now with sustainability being the buzzword now and it's used in greenwashing, I say that to brands as well. Don't just use that blanket statement or sustainable, right? Tell us exactly what you were saying, reading, like tell us what makes you sustainable and where are you trying to improve upon your supply chain to be more sustainable? Because that whole transparency and part of the story makes a consumer connect with you as the brand. Do you have some favorite brands that are just doing this and knocking it out the park? I'm obviously going to be biased and say Factory 45 brands, but a few, Veta, V-E-T-T-A, Veta creates five pieces that can be mixed and matched to create a month's worth of outfits. And they're just crushing it in terms of product, branding, marketing, sustainability. It's all beautiful. That's really emphasizing body positivity and inclusivity and all the good stuff. And then Santo Swim is creating swimwear out of recycled fishing net and then used to create renewable nylon. I love that. Oh, interesting. That story gets me excited. I love that they're using the materials, but I just also am excited that they found something that they were also very passionate about to bring to the consumer. Yeah, it's kind of the fun part of buying. So when we think about mentorship, Shannon, I mean, you have just touched on so many areas. Do you feel like you've made an impact in the fashion space as a mentor yourself? When I look back, my biggest impact has been encouraging the conversation. I could shout it from the rooftop, shout it from my Instagram all day long, but I'm just one voice. Now we have essentially this little like small army of brands who are all saying why it's important to be thinking more consciously about the clothing you buy. And when I think about my impact, I've definitely seen just a bigger shift in the conversation over the past 10 years that I've been a mentor. Congratulations. That's a big thing. You're getting women, you're getting people to think, to talk, to open up, collaborate, as you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, Be open to helping each other. And I think that one at a time, these one company at a time, it starts shifting how we think about working together, how we think about people around us. And that's huge. So congrats. Thank you. Thank you very much. We ask all of our guests to text a friend and ask how this friend would describe you in a few words because we want to get to know you even more. And I know that our friends know us so well. Would you love to share something about it? Leader is the one that comes to mind. I think that for better or for worse, and man, has it gotten me in trouble before, I think back to high school, but... (laughs) But the leadership qualities that I had as a kid, obviously, that was called bossy when I was. Oh, yeah. But um, hey, I'm right there with you. Yeah, okay. Good. Good. (laughs) But I think as you grow up and you mature, you you cultivate 
that bossiness becomes sort of a leadership quality that if I wasn't a bossy kid, I wouldn't be an entrepreneur today. So my mom always jokes, people would say, God, she's a hard kid now, but she's going to be a great adult. (laughs) That's that's sort of what I think of is just having a sense of wanting to do the right thing and wanting to help people along the way. Just hearing that from people that knew you when you were younger and seeing those qualities of yourself and how they really have benefited you. Just the fact that someone sees you at any age and can identify that commonality is really cool. It's such a compliment to you because to your point, like we were bossy as young girls, but now we're leaders. Now it's called leadership. We've refined our processes a little bit better. Now we're just bosses. <laughs> now we're just making stuff happen. I think my brother would say the same thing. Like he would say, yeah, she just told us all what to do. Yeah. But now obviously we've improved since our five-year-old days or exactly. 12-year-old self. Thank, thank goodness. <laughs> Well, Shannon, where can all these fashionistas, all these women out there listening today find you and how can we support you? If you're interested in starting your own sustainable fashion brand, you can book a free discovery call at factory45.co and we can just talk about if our business goals align and where we can get you. And then otherwise, I have tons of free resources. I have a YouTube channel, Factory 45. And then I also have a podcast, Start Your Sustainable Fashion Brand. They're all 20-minute or less episodes with just quick tips on marketing, supply chain, starting a fashion brand. So yeah. And then Instagram, of course. Factory of course. And we're going to share all of those in our show notes to just to make sure that everyone can get directly to you. Now you have me thinking about starting a sustainable clothing brand, Shannon, just from our 30, 45-minute conversation. Get your robe, get your robes get out there. <laughs> That's the first thing that came to mind when I thought about it, right? Shannon, it's that. been so lovely to have you. I really appreciate you taking time and sharing your mentor moments with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I hope you'll walk away feeling inspired and are thinking of how a mentor moment can help you or someone you know. In case you haven't hit the follow button to subscribe to this show, please do so. And if you love the episode, I'd really appreciate a review. You see, this review helps Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on know that other women just like you want to learn about the show and it'll help us spread the word. Let's connect on Instagram at Working Women Mentor or at Rainy Alfers. You can find all episodes online at rainyalfers.com forward slash podcast and the ability to send an audiogram of your favorite mentor moments. And we respond to everyone. I truly can't wait to hear from you. Check back weekly for new episodes and cheers until the next episode.